Hi, and welcome back to the Courageous Mama podcast. It's so lovely to have you with me. We're going to have some fun over the next two weeks looking at a tool that when you finish with it, I think you'll say, ah, gosh, that makes such sense. Or what people normally say is, oh, I wish I'd known this years ago. The subject is love languages. It's really opened my eyes to my children's character. Um, you know, I look back at my childhood and think, oh, if only maybe my parents had known what my love language was. Have you ever had one of those experiences where somebody gives you a gift and you think, do you know what, that's really kind, but actually I'd have really loved you to spend some time with me? Or have you ever had that feeling when you're a little bit low and somebody really tries to bless you by going out of their way to do a task for you, but what you really needed were just some words of encouragement? Or maybe you can remember buying a gift for someone and feeling like it didn't really do it for them? Or perhaps you're someone who just needs a really big hug from time to time. It's one of those tools that makes you feel known. We all want to feel known, don't we, in our core. We all want to be touched by the things that really move us. And our children will all be very different in the ways that they respond to love. And love languages explains why some things bounce off them and some things really have power to boost their heart. This is based on a book by Gary Chapman called Love Languages. He's also done ones for kids, ones for teens. And the basic premise is that you, me, everybody sort of has a tank inside them and that tank gets depleted. The sorts of things that drain ours and their tanks are a fall, a fail, a fear, a worry, a hurt from a friend, a panic, being left out, a stern word from somebody, maybe a teacher or a parent, being overlooked, feeling rejected. And that's just the children. How about us? We know what it feels like, don't we? When that friend doesn't call back or when we get left out of something, when we've given out to everybody and we feel completely depleted. There are certain things that are really going to fill the tank and there are other things that won't matter as much to us. And so those tanks need refilling. But what fills one tank will be very different to what fills another tank. For example, I'm growing some tomatoes at the moment and I know that that tomorite will do them the world of good. And whilst I'm not much of a gardener, I know that the stuff that I would use on other plants or the grass will be very different. So finding out what really moves our children can be a powerful tool for any parent. And as we fill their tank with what you might call the tomorite that really fuels them, they become better versions of themselves. They become happier, their self-esteem goes up, they feel more confident, more comfortable with themselves and just generally more upbeat. And we want that for all our children, don't we? And what we don't want to do is waste time putting our efforts into something that actually isn't filling their tank. But before we break down what those five love languages are, I want to share with you a little bit of basic neuroscience called oxytocin. Oxytocin is a feel-good hormone and it's released from the pituitary gland when we experience the feeling of love or bonding. Sometimes it's called the cuddle hormone and it can be stimulated by a feeling of being nurtured, such as having a hug or a connected conversation, focused time with someone, words of encouragement, a gift or being the recipient of a kind deed. These things 
trigger off our oxytocin. They release those feelings of contentment. It's a really strong hormone. It's a hormone that's released during sex or breastfeeding. And in fact, it's so strong, it's the one that stimulates childbirth contractions. And when oxytocin is released, a person experiences an increase of affection, contentment, calm, love, and even generosity and trust. And it also has the benefit of reducing fear and uneasiness. And that can lower stress, lower the blood pressure, and actually, it's even been proven to reduce cravings for sweets or alcohol, social media or other addictions. And marketing companies have worked this out and they provoke its release in order to sell products by offering us inclusion and connection. Next time you're looking at a really powerful advert, work out, does it make me feel like I'm one of them if I buy that product? And it causes a response in us of that trust and generosity which of course can prompt us to purchase. Children of all ages crave that release of oxytocin. In fact, a recent study has shown that oxytocin levels increase when tweeting, using Facebook, Instagram and socially interacting in cyberspace. So oxytocin is actually now available online, but we can keep them topped up in such a way that it will reduce their desire to chase after unhealthy levels of other things. So our time and our affection and our attention as parents isn't just nice, it's what our children need. They thrive on it. Our children have an innate desire for oxytocin, even if they've never heard of it. It's what motivates them to bond and build connection. And their primary source needs to be from us, their parents. So let's look at what these different love languages are. There's five of them. The first one is time. The second is touch. The third is acts of service, those little things that people do for us, or big things. The fourth is gifts. And the fifth is words. And when our children are small, they need all five in about the same measure. They need to be cuddled, don't they? They need everything done for them. They need our time and attention. They need our words of encouragement. And of course, they love our gifts. As they get a little older, they start to lean towards one or two of these. In fact, they start to lean away from one as well. I think it can be really helpful when you're understanding love languages to first of all, apply it to yourself. Think about your needs and what makes a difference for you. And once you've understood the sort of power that it holds, you can then start looking at your children and realising, oh yeah, they really orientate towards that, or that seems to make a difference to their day or their mood, or fills their tank, as we might say. So I'm going to go through the five love languages with you over these next two weeks, and then I'm going to invite different people on the podcast who identify with particular love languages to see how that works out in their lives. So let's look at time first. I mean, we all love the people that we love spending time with us, don't we? But some people will love that more than others. If you're someone who loves time, or if your partner is someone who loves time, it's undivided attention that they're after. It's the TV in the background off, any extra noises, the smartphones, and it's your complete focus on that person or that person's complete focus on you. It doesn't mean that you don't enjoy cuddling up in front of a film, but in terms of really filling your tank, having that person's attention, talking, feeling focused on 
and knowing that their mind isn't in other places at the same time really does it for you. But you're not one to be fobbed off by presence. Now I don't mean presence with a T, I mean presence with a C-E. Someone just being in the same room as you, getting through their list of chores, doing the things that they want to be doing and they're just sort of around you, isn't your interpretation of time. That's just being in someone's presence. Time is undivided attention. It's sharing a meal together or a snack together. It's sitting down and chatting. It's being heard and understood. It's being listened to and having that person really take in where you're at, what you're up to, and by the same token, sharing themselves and sharing where they're up to with you. On the flip side, if someone cancels an engagement with you or puts you off when you were hoping to spend time with them, that really hurts. That cuts deeply. If you're wondering whether you're a person for whom time is an important love language, I guess you could ask yourself, does that undivided attention mean more to you than someone bringing you a gift or your partner bringing you a gift? Would you rather they sat down with you and gave you their full attention? Or maybe you're someone who'd prefer the gift. So translating that across to the children, all children love quality time with their parents, don't they? But some of them crave it in an extra way. That child that's always around you, that child that chooses to play or do their homework at the kitchen table when you're working in the kitchen, that's the one that really likes being around you for whom time is really important. And for that child, board games, going out with them, spending time at the park with them, putting your phone away, being totally 100% available, that's what will really fill their tank and to really make them the happiest version of themselves and the easiest version to be around. That child will really need you to down tools and focus on them in an extra special way. So what about acts of service? If that's at the top of your love language list, it means the world to you if you come in and find somebody has cleared the kitchen table. Maybe somebody's made something for dinner or put a pudding together, made a cake, offered to go out and get a few things from the corner shop. So thinking about you first and your partner or the people who are important in your life, if that's at the top of your list, it'll mean the world to you when somebody does something for you, maybe your partner clears the kitchen and you come down and find it clean and tidy. I know we all love that, but for some people that will have immense power or that job on the list that really needed doing and somebody's gone and done it. Or perhaps you're feeling poorly and someone says, look, let me take a pile of ironing away and bring it back done. Or you love it when someone brings you a cup of tea in bed or at any point of the day stops and says, is there anything you need? Can I do something for you? Or better still, they second guess what you'd love and they bring it to you. Having a job taken off your list has power. And the words, can I do that for you, feel really important to you. And if that means the world to your partner, I know that you're probably really busy anyway and the thought of taking on extra tasks can feel really onerous. But actually, it's not that they're needy. It's not that they need you to up your game. It's the acts of service fills their tank. It says, I love you. I care about you. I've noticed you. I want to do this for you because I know that it'll matter to you. So in terms of children, that can look like all sorts of things. It can look like bringing them a hot chocolate when they're doing their homework, tucking a hot water bottle into their bed, or doing something for them 
that they usually expected to do for themselves. We expect an age-appropriate level of responsibility from our children. But if one day we go in and clear their bedroom or do something for them that they're expected to do for themselves, it means the world to them. Now, I know it means a lot to any child to find their bedroom done, but the one for whom acts of service is at the top of their list will feel really, really filled if that's done for them. They translate that as you were thinking about me. You did something I didn't expect of you. That was a random act of kindness. That said, you care about me and it makes them feel loved. By the same token, a lack of effort for you or your partner or your children, whichever one you could identify having acts of service as their top love language, a lack of effort can actually be hurtful. It can be annoying or a nuisance in most people's lives, but if it's your language, it actually pains you. And you'll notice that that child for whom acts of service mean a lot to them, they'll be the one who does little acts of service for other people. So come and meet a couple of friends of mine now and they're going to share with you what love languages have done to their lives and their relationships. This is my friend Becky who has four children ranging from 13 at the top down to her baby Reuben. And I was fascinated to be talking with her because she's very intentional with love languages. So I asked her what her love language was. Um, my love language would definitely be quality time. Quality time, Followed yeah. very closely by words of affirmation. Okay. And I think it's time. I mean, how long have you known that? Oh, um, since I found out about love languages, which is probably about 10 years ago as a guest. Okay, okay. And was it revolutionary for you when you found out? Oh, completely. Why was that revolutionary for you? Um, in our marriage, it's been amazing to go, actually, this is really important to me. And I always wondered why I wasn't so worried about buying me flowers. And I said, oh, darling, I really don't really like flowers. And I was thought I was a bit unusual. <laughs> and then I realised that, you know, my love language is not um, receiving gifts. Right. So, yeah, I decided maybe I wasn't so unusual after all. And it, it is helpful in terms of eliminating, isn't it, as much as it is in terms of knowing yourself. Yeah, yeah. So gifts are at the bottom by the sounds of it for you? Yes. Very much so. And have you worked out what Vince is? I have, yes. And it, it took a little bit of a while. We often have to chat about it because it's quite hard just to narrow it down to the one when others sort of can border with that. Mm. Um, but he is definitely words of affirmation. So how did that change for you once you found that out? More me being positive, I guess, and thanking him for when he has done something for me and recognising that. So what does time mean to you? You were very explicit about saying quality time. Time for me is definitely quality time. So whether that's Vince and I sitting down in the evening when the children are in bed and, you know, enjoying a pizza together or a glass of wine and just talking together is sort of what I, yeah, love. For some people, presence in the room is important. Yes. And that can be disappointing, can it, for a person of time, quality time? Yeah, and I think quality time for me is not sort of having the TV on. Mm. I love that heart-to-heart chat mm. that we have. But did it help him, knowing what you were, knowing that 
the flowers didn't do it, but actually this is what really... I mean, it must be nice for him that his attention is so important to you. Yes. Yeah, even a phone call at lunchtime. Right. Okay. Can even be enough for me. And tell me, have you worked your children out? I have, and actually they they were probably easier to work out than once in a while. So now Joel is the most similar to me. Right. And I connect with Joel very, very easily. Um, and actually, it was only today when I was thinking about it that I thought, that's totally why, because our love languages are so similar. Um, now, Joel is quality time too. Right. He loves, you know, board games and cooking with me. He'll always seek me out and say, oh, mum, can we do this together? He loves running. Running. Running with you? Yeah. 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 And would he be the child who, when you are faffing about in the kitchen, he'll come and prefer to work at the table where you're, th- where you're near? Yes. Yes, he would. Mm. Yeah. Oh, that's lovely. And what about Ethan? Now, Ethan is touch. Is he? Um, oh, is he the one who would snuggle up on your knee? Yeah, and he will always come up for a hug oh. or a cuddle. I love but that, that. That one's been quite tricky for me because I'm not sort of the most physically heavy sort of person. So with Ethan, I have to really remember he needs a hug. And at night, his favourite thing is he'll often ask if his nose can be stroked. Oh, sweet. What about Olivia? Um, Olivia is... Now, with Olivia, she's a really an interesting one because she's completely the opposite to me. She loves receiving gifts. She loves right. giving gifts and she loves receiving gifts. We, we only spotted it because often at home, she'll wrap anything in an old box that she can find and it can be any random thing yes. that she's made. Any, she's very arty, so she loves making things for us and then she put it in a box and she'll wrap it up in there and leave them at the table and then we've got to open them. Oh. And I very quickly realised that is definitely her love language. As a yeah. parent, that can be a hard one to handle. And I think yeah. we often think of a, a gift-loving person as someone who's got sort of expensive needs. But actually, yeah. it's yeah. Th- it's often the thought behind the gift. But would it do it for her? I mean, you, you mentioned the flowers at the beginning. If you went out into the garden and picked a few bluebells and popped them in a jar and put them by her oh, bed. Yes. Yeah. yeah, yeah. And actually, that's her favourite activity to do for me. So you found your, your ways around not breaking the bank over a child <laughs> that loves gifts. <laughs> Now, Ruben's only three, so um, it's probably very hard to discern at this point. Do you see anything kind of leading the way? Oh, uh, well, yeah, I mean, he's been very different to the other three. He's an absolute mummy's boy. The other three were all for daddy, but Ruben is completely different. Mm, enjoy um, that. And <laughs> it's, do you know what? It's really lovely. Mm, <laughs> really I, I, I love my little oh, Milk it. Um, <laughs> He absolutely loves hugs, and I think it's different when they're only three. They're very little and they're cute, aren't they? Yeah, yeah. It's a lot of that. And have you talked to the children at all about their love languages? Whilst you've defined them, would they know what they are? Yes, now interestingly, so I told them that I was coming on to speak to you about this. 
Mm. And um, and Joel was very interested, and so I said to him, it's about love languages, and he said, oh, what are they? So I sort of showed him the five, and he said straight away, oh, that is definitely my love language. Did he? Um, yes, and Ethan said, I love touch. Ethan's got a favourite koala bear that he loves to cuddle, and so he instantly said, yes, I like I like it when you hug me. I like it when you stroke me. Um, and I think it's it's so true that if the love language is given to us that isn't our love language, it just doesn't mean the same. It slightly falls to the ground, doesn't it? It does. And, and I think that person that doesn't understand love languages can be disappointed that, well, I did this for you when you didn't really appreciate it. And I think this is why this is key to really tune into you know, by by speaking their love language, I know they are going to feel loved. And what would you say to the person who says, well, I don't want to box my children? I'm not sure it's really boxing your children. I, I think it's really, for me, it's really opened my eyes to my children's character. Um, you know, I look back at my childhood and think, oh, if only maybe my parents had known what my love language was. Mm. Well, I did always feel... Um, you know, they, they might have been very good at a love language that for me wasn't, just didn't speak my language at all. And it can be disappointing. I mean, you know, if you buy, you know, go out of your way and, you know, Vince bought me this amazing expensive gift and I was like, oh, but thanks. <laughs> you know, I think, I think it's great for him to understand that she likes it, but it, but it doesn't speak her love language like time would. Yes. Yes, you're a cheap date. <laughs> yeah. or, when, or when people buy me flowers and they get a bit left in the sink or I'll have I'll remember that. I loved chatting with Becky. She's so honest and I love how she's really looked into what nourishes her children individually so she can meet their needs. Now come along and meet my sister Philippa. She's got three children, two living in London and one living at home. And I'm interested in the way that she uses love languages in her work, as well as to meet the needs of the people in her life that she loves. It's interesting to hear you say that you've enjoyed lockdown because you're a nurse and you've been in the thick of it all. Yes, well, perhaps because I haven't actually really been locked down. Yes, I suppose. <laughs> so. And so, yeah, perhaps it isn't lockdown in the same way. So it's only it's only lockdown socially. Yeah, that's, um, so what have you learned in your marriage about lockdown? Home haircuts and how to trust your husband with your hair. <laughs> with the scissors yeah. around your hair. <laughs> yes. And so I might have to manage that. <laughs> and would you say you're seeing a sort of positive upturn in the hospital scene? I'd say that the number of patients with positive COVID are settling down. So I want to chat to you about love languages. Do you know what love language you are? I do know what love languages I have. I really love love languages. Do you? I even used it in one of my master's essays on leadership. And it is um, a really important leadership tool, isn't it? Knowing people. How would you use it in that context? Well, I think if you can work out what people's love language is, you're much better to give them, more able to give them positive affirmation, aren't you? Whether it be um, a gift, whether it be an act of service, whether it be a word, whether it be, you know, you're able to bring out the best. So actually, if you know what helps their love language, it really does help. I think particularly when your love language is words, it's really important when you're doing appraisals and things like that, how you use mm. your words. Mm. Tell me, what's your love language? Acts of 
service. So what would acts of service mean to you? Um, clean the kitchen when I come home. The bedroom's tidy. Um, <laughs> that somebody's done the shopping without asking, that the washing's done. That's what acts of service would be. Would you draw a line anywhere? Like, are there certain things that you like to do yourself because you want them done properly? Yes, there probably are, but I wouldn't want to dampen it down if that's the thing they wanted to do. Mm. I would rather they had a go, um, and then I might have to touch it up a little bit afterwards. <laughs> <laughs> Make some improvements. <laughs> and a classic example, Duncan might go out and do the shopping and then come back with all sorts of things you really didn't need and nothing really did. Um, <laughs> but it would still fill your tank? It wouldn't fill it as much as something that's just been done, you know, like the washing that's right. out on the line and back in the bedroom folded or the sheets that are being washed and are back on the bed. That one's never happened, actually, but we can, <laughs> we can, we can set aspirations. <laughs> Ever um, hopeful. Yeah. Why do all those things make you feel loved? I think when somebody does something for you with their primary motive being to meet your needs, it's an overwhelming feeling that you're valuable and that you're desired and that you're validated. But actually, I think it's a primary need to be loved mm. um, and to love. And can you feel that lift in your spirits or that sense of being nurtured? Definitely. I think you just feel... Um, you feel like... Um, a flower in the sunshine, like a sunflower turning to the sun and basking in it. <laughs> yeah, that. I love it. That's that oxytocin, uh, isn't it? Flooding yeah, through your veins. It's, yeah, it's it's a glorious moment and everything's relaxed and it feels good. And it's a very different love to the kind of love of falling in love. It's a mm. real deeper, more wholesome love than that. On the flip side, what can hurt a person who loves acts of service? Well, it's the opposite, isn't it? And for me, working away from out of the house, so I'm out of the house all day for eight hours, 13 hours, depending which shift I'm on. And you might ask for the washing to be done, and you come back in, and the washing hasn't been done, and you're thinking, and it's one thing if something else has happened, but then if they kind of say, well, you know, it's great, I went for a walk, I did the crossword, and you're just <laughs> thinking, you know... <laughs> Now, we all get frustrated when we ask our children to do things and they don't do them. But would you say, for someone who loves acts of service, that that would be more of an injury than words or not getting a hug or harsh words? Probably, yes. Yeah. Because it will fill me up totally. And it's not big stuff. Like, love languages isn't about big stuff. No. Um, It's about little things. So do you know what your children are? Alex is the one I'm more dubious about, and but I think he's words of affirmation. Ella is time, and Natalie is gifts. Natalie's also words. I would have said she was gifts as a child that lived at home, and she's probably more words now. But as a, and that's also interesting, I think you can change. But as a child, she was definitely gifts. And now that Ella and Natalie have moved out, how would you meet Natalie's need for words? Um, write her a letter would be probably one of the ways that I'd do that. I will probably be more likely to chat to her than I would mm. write words, but um, Natalie will never just give you a birthday card, you know, happy birthday, Mum. Um, in fact, we got the most beautiful card from her today. I've been the lucky recipient of some of Natalie's letters, 
and they're random. They're not necessarily attached to a birthday or anything, but they're so no. thought through. They are beautiful. And Ella is time. That's harder when they move out? Um, yes, it's harder when they move out. You can give a time on the telephone, but the two of them, when they come back for the weekend, the way that I think about the weekend will vary according to both their languages. So for Ella... I will absolutely make sure that the weekend is as free as it possibly can be because I'll know that she'll want to do as much as she possibly can together. Whereas for Natalie, it's really important how the bedroom looks when she comes home. So I put some Oreo biscuits or a magazine and something on her bed for when she comes back. Oh, that's lovely. And that's gift. Your husband's obviously touch, so um, he needs his hug when he comes in in the evening. He does when he gets up in the morning, when he leaves the kitchen table, when he moves room, <laughs> when he goes upstairs, when he goes downstairs. Well, it's so helpful, isn't it, to know each other? It's a real treat, actually. And I think that it really helps to understand why you misunderstand each other. Yeah. Why you've been hurt by somebody when they didn't intend to hurt you because yeah. they thought they were giving you their, their best of their love. Yeah always love catching up with my sister she's so insightful isn't it fascinating seeing how people have looked at love languages and used them to understand better the people in their lives so it's really worth spending a little bit of time on it and understanding and thinking about what your partner is what your children are and what your friends are because once we understand each other better we can be a better friend to that person or a better mum or a better partner when we've worked out the needs of the people in our lives that we love and we give them the gifts that they love with an authentic heart. And also, when we notice that they're not the best version of themselves, they're feeling low, they're feeling depleted, argumentative, spoiling for a fight, that's when we know that their love tank is empty and filling them up with their own brand of love will make all of the difference to their world. So next week, we'll be looking at gifts, touch and words. Do let me know if you've enjoyed it. Um, feedback is always welcome. I love to hear your comments. I'm easy to find, Madeline Stanny at iCloud.com and at The Courageous Mama on Instagram. See you next week. <laughs>